Hey, True Sex and Wild Love listeners, I don't know about you, but I'm very, very fussy about what I put on my face, what I put on my vulva, and what I put in my vagina. And that is why I was so excited when I learned about a company called Living Libations. What is it? It's a luxurious Canadian line of pure source, raw, organic, and botanical beauty care, intimacy lubricants, raw chocolate, oh my God, so delicious, and holistic oral care products that you can use after you eat the chocolate. Oh my gosh, I love this stuff. First of all, it was created by Nadine Artemis, who calls herself a beauty philosopher, which I love. She's the author of Renegade Beauty and Holistic Dental Care. And she has an incredible philosophy. They use essential oils and their products are highly concentrated. They preserve purity, space, and resources by offering full potency products without any fillers, no diluters, no artificial colors, and no petrochemicals because ick. I don't want that stuff on my face or on my vajay for sure. I love so many of the products uh, that I'm using of theirs. My favorite might be this rose cream, which you can put on your lips. You can put on your cheeks. I kind of spread some on my arms sometimes if I want a little rosy glow. It smells delicious and it feels delicious on your skin, but I am obsessed, completely obsessed with their product called Languid Love Butter. Only living libations could make this. This is a lube that smells and tastes so good and is made with ingredients, wait for it, that you can eat, okay? Because I'm not putting anything on my vulva or on my vagina that I wouldn't put in my mouth, okay? Just trust me, you're gonna just love these products. Look, synthetic lubes are often just kind of momentary moisturizers or like petal plumpers. You know, they're only offering you a very temporary lubrication. And often uh, those ingredients of kind of drugstore lubes actually uh, dehydrate your vulva and your vagina. And we don't want that. On the other hand, Living Libations has this organic petal passion serum, they call it. And that sort of lubricates your spaces and soothes you using ingredients that you wouldn't be scared to put in your mouth and they're ingredients that you can pronounce. There's something really great about that. I'm obsessed and I think you will be too. And here's some really great news about Living Libations and their incredible product line. Just go to livinglibations.com forward slash TSWL and use the code TSWL and you can get 20% off. Hey, that means that you can buy an extra pot of Languid Love Butter and you can send it to me. Hey, Whitney. Hey, Wednesday. So we had a great guest lined up for today and she's going to be back another time. She was going to talk to us about decolonizing yoga and wellness, but we had some technical issues. So it's just me and you today, girl. Yeah. Which oh. is always so fun to catch up, see what you're doing. You're in LA right now, so we talk all about that. We talk about what it's like being away from your family. 
Coach. We talk about your new relationship. We talk about my new relationship. You guys. I'm so excited. <laughs> I would have totally brushed over that, but you know, Wednesday's like, nope. <laughs> oh no, we're getting oh. into it. Yeah, we just had a girlfriendy talk about a lot of things. We sure did. And I hope you guys enjoy it so much. And as always, if you do, please let us know on social media or leave us a review. Hello, my sweet, dearest Wednesday. Whitney Miller, how are you, darling? You know, I'm doing pretty good today. I'm doing pretty good today, I must admit. You're back in Austin. I am. I'm back in Austin. It's cold as shit. Um, But, uh, (laughs) you know, it'll do. Although I say that, and I know we have listeners who are, you know, actually in the north. Yeah, like we have listeners in New York where it's like 10 degrees sometimes. So I I have no basis to talk about being cold, but it I is like right now. So <laughs> I'm in LA and it's rainy and cool, and people here are bummed out. And I'm just doing a jig because it's not 10 degrees because my family's in New York and it's 10 degrees there. Yeah, so, what are you up to in the Hollywood Hills? Okay, I'm in West Hollywood. Hollywood. I've been, yeah, I've been here since I guess we came mid to later December. And we, so we came, you know, to get out of the cold. And it happened that when we came here, our timing was impeccable. We were just in the flaming center of the moment that LA was the epicenter of the pandemic. Perfect timing timing, as usual. And um, so, you know what we did? We just locked down in this house we rented with the lovely backyard. Couldn't really see anybody, but you know, in New York, you can't see anybody when it's freezing cold outside. At least in LA, we could, you know, sit in our backyard. And if somebody came over, you know, we could sit far apart and just cautiously socialize like that. So like, that was a big benefit. You know, I don't know how you do when you can't see people for days on end, but how do you do with that? Not, not well, not well. I mean, surprising to most of you guys listening, I'm sure I like human interaction. I'm a very hyperactive person and I love just being sociable. And this is what I was thinking. It's, you know, it's depending on where you live in the country, it's, it's how people are being social right now are, is very different. Even though there's these, you know, blanketed rules and what we're supposed to be doing. But y'all come to Texas and it's kind of like completely open here. Right. I mean, well, first of all, you know what I wanted to say about you? I mean, you're really gregarious. Like, I love that about you. I mean, I can go days and days and days without seeing people and be okay with it, but then I eventually need to be with people. But you people are totally your element. I do love people. Yeah. And I, I love hosting. I'm always having people over. Like I, that's just very fun for me, like nurturing for me. I, I think everybody, whatever is going on in their community is missing that. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're very COVID cautious in my family. I mean, mm-hmm. especially here in LA. Right. We're really COVID cautious, but like, I have to make sure like if I don't, talk to you or my friend Christy or my friend Nicole, and I have to FaceTime them. That's important. Yeah. You got to see them. Yeah. 
I do that with my friend Barry too. Like we FaceTime and my shrink, Suzanne, I FaceTime with her. Like I got to see those faces, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see because I'm coming out. How long are you there in LA? Well, here's what I wanted to tell you. So we came out here for the holiday and we extended because it was so nice. And then suddenly my little son's school, they announced we're going to be back in person. And, you know, kids really need that. Yeah. The numbers in New York were, are now at a point where, I mean, who knows what it'll be when this podcast drops, but kids can go (laughs) to in-person school in New York now. So like speaking of you being gregarious, I mean, kids, right? They really need each other. Yeah. So, so, so my husband, Joel and I were just like, well, for sure he needs to go back to in-person school but I had some work to do. So I stayed. So here I'm home alone. Whoa. Wednesday takes LA. Whoa. I'm like in this lovely house in West Hollywood by myself, working, living my best life. And my family's in New York City. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds pretty fun. (laughs) And it's just really too bad we're on lockdown here. Yeah, you would be out, out, girl. Watch out. But you know, I haven't been by myself. I mean, wait, you know, I've been married for, it'll be 21 years um, in March. Wow. And yeah, I have a 19 year old and a 13 year old, and we've all been together for almost the whole lockdown. All of us. Well, we've been all together almost for the whole, you know, time since COVID became a thing, usually under one roof. Mm hmm. So let me ask you, how do you, I think during COVID, do do you have to schedule in your alone time? Like how do you have, get your alone time or is that even possible? Oh yeah. I mean, okay. I hear, you probably hear this from your couples and I know you treat individuals and couples and sometimes you, they have families. Everybody I know is saying, wow, I need some privacy. So I I didn't I didn't have a successful method for finding privacy. I mean when we were all under the same roof, me, my two kids and Joel, I would like talk to my shrink in the car. <laughs> <laughs> FaceTime with my girlfriends in the car. Yeah. Um and I would go for walks and stuff by myself, but can I tell you just that stress of being under the same roof with your loved ones? Never all, endingly. <laughs> all the time. Forever. <laughs> and you know, Jack Turbin and I co-wrote an opinion piece for the LA Times about that. I think they ran it actually in their relationships section, but we ran a piece about how stressful it is for couples before we eat. We didn't even add in the family piece, Whitney. I mean, <laughs> oh, that's just too much. That's but, just too much. We're not going to take it there. But okay, so one one outlet was that Lyle, my my little one, was in online school all day. So like that meant he was in his room with the door closed, right, doing online school. Mm-hmm. But the rest of us, the three of us, were just like under that one roof, trying to coexist, <laughs> doing <laughs> our best. And when it got cold and we couldn't go outside. That um, okay. Tell me how you're dealing with it because you're dealing with the opposite thing with being alone. Yeah, 
Oh, yeah. but you said that Texas is pretty much open. Texas is pretty much open. I mean, bars are open, restaurants are open, I think like up to 50 or 75%. You know, I live right on the trail, so I can always go to the trail. All the gyms that I normally go to are open. It's pretty much life as usual here. We wear masks. You know, you wear masks anytime you go into an establishment or the grocery yeah. store or, you know, anything like that. Um even when you walk up to outdoor windows, if you're ordering coffee that way, you have to wear a mask. But really, other than that, it's it's life is normal. I can only have one person in my elevator at a time. That's okay. about That's about yeah, it. So stop trying to have those parties in your elevator. I know. God. <laughs> <sighs> but so, yeah, it's been, it's been pretty, pretty normal a bit. Um, I still think I had COVID back in November. I mean, you were so sick. I was so sick. You were really sick. And it went on for days and days and days and days and days. And I kept checking on you and you kept being sick. I know. And that's what I felt like. I was like, okay, tomorrow's the day, you guys. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to feel like a brand new baby. Nope. (laughs) Reborn. Reborn. Yeah. Well, for everybody listening, that's a reason to wear your mask, right? Right. It's like mm-hmm. even if you're going to be okay getting COVID, you could give it to somebody who will not be okay. Mm-hmm. And and you could just be down for the count for two or three weeks like you were. Yeah. It was not fun. And I was definitely like, let me be honest. I was like, ah, COVID's not that big of a deal. And then I got it and I was like, oh, okay, this is for real. I don't want my dad or anyone that I love for that matter to feel this ill. Right. I mean, and if they're older, have an underlying condition, you know, they they could get it much worse. Right. And we now know that people have long-term effects, right? There are these like COVID long haulers and some of them are in their 30s and they have these long-term effects like um, musco- musculoskeletal stuff, right? Or well, lung, was- lung damage. Sorry. What did you say, love? That was something that I experienced was I had long-term, I don't have it as much now, um, but probably two months after I experienced muscle, like extreme muscle fatigue. Um, And that, I don't know if I talked about that on the podcast or not, but it was something I would even wake up in the middle of the night and I would just change positions. And it felt like I had done a million squats, but I had been asleep the entire time. My muscles would just like clinch, clinch up but feels so fatigued. And even in workouts, I almost couldn't finish a lot of the workouts. And y'all know me. I love working out. You I love really it. pushing myself in the gym. But it was it was really interesting to watch my body say like, oh no, that's just not how it works anymore. And you're a super fit young, you're, you're in your early 30s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm and 31. And I'm healthy. I'm not on any medications. I've never had any sort of health issues, major health issues at all. So, I mean, I I love that you're putting it out there that it was not an easy thing for you and people just shouldn't underplay it. Right. Just wear right. your mask if when you when you're supposed to keep distant until you can get your vaccine. Don't mm-hmm. listen to people who tell you that it's not real and we just got to we just got to push through a little more, right? Yeah. I I'm I'm yes, and it, I'm ready for this to push all the way through to where yeah. it goes away, but I, I get worried too. I don't know if I'm just being pessimistic. I just don't know. I don't see a world where it goes back. Not that we need to necessarily go back, but what, 
I don't know. What do we do? What happens? Yeah, this is such an interesting question, right? Like, is it going to alter social behavior permanently? Right. right? Like, I don't know, Whitney, if I will ever feel comfortable. I, I mean, I usually live in New York City, although right now I have no plan to leave LA. <laughs> I mean, you've been flirting with moving to LA for a very long time. And I feel like this is, you're just getting closer and closer. <laughs> closer and closer. But I got to tell you, here in LA, where it's easy, relatively easy to socially distance, I think about my life in New York. I think about how I was always getting on a crowded elevator. Um, people take mass transit all the time. And I was thinking about, I wonder, you know, if and when people will be comfortable doing that again. And I know it's going to be different. Some people will be comfortable sooner, but like, I'm looking at hugs very differently now. I'm looking at airplanes (laughs) very differently now. I'm looking at how we greet each other. You know, in New York, a lot of times with friends, you like uh, give each other like a kiss on each cheek when you greet. Right. And and, um, I'm really curious to see the impact that COVID is going to have on those kind of practices. What do you think? What are you hearing from your patients? You know, I'm sorry, you know, your clients that you coach about this kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I, it's similar and it, and it really depends on where they're based. Um, but it is every time you greet somebody, it's, do we shake hands? Do we stay back? Do we hug? It's that it makes meeting people even more awkward because we just don't exactly know how to move forward. So what I do is I, I, I'm usually a hugger. Like I hug everybody, but now I don't. And I just say, do you hug? Do you handshake? Do you want a fist bump? Do you want to do nothing? <laughs> like let's yeah. have communication here. What do you want? What do you feel comfortable with? You, yeah, you have to you have to ask. And here in LA, um, there's such a range. Like I drove somewhere and I just saw people jammed into a flea market, which they call a swap meet here. And hmm. then I and but then sometimes I socialize with people and you know, there's no elbow bumping, there's just sitting eight feet apart outside. But yeah. I, I, you know, I was thinking about like, as a social scientist, you try to look to other previous examples. So like a lot of people, I was, I, I wanted to see what people were saying about uh, how the Spanish flu in 1918 changed social behavior, right? Because that mm-hmm. was, um, that was a big deal. I mean, that lasted from like, that was almost two years. It's it, actually the, the Spanish flu pandemic lasted for over two years. And 500 million people were infected. It was um, an H1N1 influenza A virus. And so like a third of the world's population had this and there were like successive waves of it. I think a hundred million people died of Spanish flu. Like some people say like from 17 to a hundred million is the high estimate. And I remember my grandmother talking about it when I was a kid, right? And she said, oh yeah, that was a terrible time. Spanish influenza, so many people died. And I looked at her and I was like, people died of the flu? And she was like, yes. And so, you know, she certainly remembered it, right? And she remembered it as a terrible thing. But after the Spanish flu, what happened was the roaring 20s. 
Oh. I'm like, yeah, I never connected the dots before, before all these sociologists started and historians started explaining this to us because we're in the middle of COVID. And they started saying like all that like gregarious, wild out there stuff, right? Like doing the Charleston and climbing flagpoles and partying and being a flapper and being wild. Like a lot of people thought that that was a response to the Spanish flu lasting for two years. And then people were like, I can't take this anymore. When it was over, people were just ready to party. Great. I mean, (laughs) sounds like my kind of, you know, celebration to the closure of COVID. Yeah. I mean, I think- I think we can predict that, right? From from history, like if history is any lesson, when this pandemic is under control, there are going to be some very big parties. <laughs> yes, there are. <laughs> and there probably are already because I know our sex people did not stop. No, they definitely did not. And these these Zoom, even the online, the Zoom sex parties are still continuing. Although I did see that Zoom ban sex parties. Did you see that? Wait, what? Tell us about that. Well, no, no, no. I I honestly just read this the other day, so I don't have it in front of me, but I was trying to look up online sex parties and I came across an article that said Zoom was banning them. Okay. You can't have Zoom sex parties anymore, apparently, allegedly. What's their problem? Do they want people to use Zoom or not? Seriously. uh, Gosh. Wow. There it is. April 29, 2020, Zoom banned orgies. Here's how sex party goers are getting it on. Wow. So Zoom just came down and said, Zoom is not for that kind of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Only for talking with your clothes on. That's it. Just if, if, okay. All right. Well, we're we're not going to be having our online sex party on Zoom, Whitney. Where are we going to have it? Okay. Well, let me tell you. Some people are opting for video platforms like Skype. Ooh, Skype and Zoom. They are really head-to-head now. Yeah. And FaceTime to plan orgies. Okay. Wow. Oh, yeah. FaceTime. They're not getting up in your shit. They're just like, go for it. Yeah. You do your thing. You get up all up in your own shit, you know? Okay. Um, Adult Friend Fighter are creating platforms for online orgies. Oh, Adult Friend Finder. People love that. People get in touch with me about adult friend finder all the time. I think people get in touch with me and tell me that they're using it for threesomes, right? But they also, now you can use it for an, they have a platform for parties on there now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're saying that they created a venue geared specifically for virtual orgies because all of the large gatherings are closing and Zoom is mean. So, you know, they create their own. Okay. Well, now we know which platforms are sex friendly. Yeah. Which, can we talk a little bit about the whole Instagram BS? Let's talk about what's happening on Instagram for sex positive and body positive people like you and me and sex Mm -hmm. educators say it with. Yeah. It's, 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 it's wild and it drives me insane and it anchors me. Um, because I know that both you and I, you know, I can hear stories from people about it. Um, but both you and I experience the shadow banning. And when we post anything about sex positivity, or even if it's just very, it's educational, accurate information, our, our story views plummet. Like I go from like, I don't know, 12 to 15 
K story views to mm-hmm. 2000. And when I post about certain things that they would deem inappropriate, which. Yeah. 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 I mean, we really feel it, right? Mm-hmm. We really feel it. And one of the things that's particularly terrible about it, I think, is that in the absence of really meaningful sex education, some people really learn how to talk to their kids about sex or they learn about sex Mm -hmm. online, right? And so they could go to like sex positive families or Afro sexology and get the information that they need that's helpful to them. Um, But that's under threat. And some of us love to see those like sex positive influencers like doing their dance and being out there and and we can't see that anymore either so i'm really missing it it has really messed up the landscape of instagram and just to say briefly you know this is all because of those uh bills that trump signed into law um there was this house bill called FOSTA, which stood for Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act. And then there's the Senate bill, SESTA, Stop Enabling Sex Traffickers Act. And so those laws are intended to help sex trafficking victims and end sex trafficking. But what we know is that those bills aren't working to do that. They're just working to shut down the voices of sex positive people online. So it's all because of FOSTA SESTA and a lot of, you know, you and I support um, sex workers and a lot of sex workers can't do their jobs. I mean, they depend on Twitter and Instagram. Nobody's doing anything inappropriate. You know, they're just posting a photo like, Hey, a a pretty photo and like, Hey, I'll be in Miami next week. Right. Like, so. Right. They can't do that anymore. We can't see our sex positive peeps, our body positive peeps. We're pissed. Plus, we I don't know. Plus, we like those likes and we're not getting them. I have had my ass shadow banned from here <laughs> to eternity, Whitney. I mean, and you know, they're doing it. Instagram's doing it definitely so that we'll leave. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They're just like, and I mean, cut off your supply of likes. Exactly. We and it's need like oxygen likes. for us. We want our likes. We're addicted. <laughs> Don't steal it from us. <laughs> so you saw your likes and views go way, way down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so did I. I. I try not to be like attached to it, you know, and it's like, okay, I understand why this is happening, but it still pisses me off. And so it it is teaching me a good lesson and like, do not be attached to the likes. Continue putting out the content that you feel is necessary and beneficial and inspiring and and put out that content, content for that reason, not for the interaction or the likes or the views. That's such a good point. I mean, to, to take this, maybe these shadow bands and stuff that we find very discouraging as a way to unhook a little bit from social media. I mean, I think if if I did that better and I have done that, a little bit. I've been working on that. That you know, then we're better able to support the sex workers we love and the sex educators that we love, and try to figure out ways to amplify their messages. If we're not just like have our heads in our hands, like I only got X number of likes. <laughs> I'm such a loser. Because that's me. That's me. I'm 
really like, a, I'm, I really am very vulnerable to that. It's, yeah. It's like a crazy thing to see. Okay. I wanted to say something also about Instagram, especially, which is that, you know, Instagram is owned by Facebook, right? By Mark Zuckerberg. Mm-hmm. And a sex worker posted something that I thought was really just so insightful, which was, I guess it was a tweet. And she said, isn't it ironic that Mark Zuckerberg, this jerk, hypocrite, did you know that he started Facebook when he was at Harvard as a way to rate the hotness of different women at Harvard, Whitney? Yes. I remember that now. That's what (sighs) Facebook was for. So this dude who made billions of dollars, or at least millions and millions and millions of dollars, developing a platform that was initially about rating whether men thought women were attractive or not. This hypocrite is banning women deciding to use their sexuality the way they want, or just to to display their bodies how they want, or just to be sex positive and body positive. He's shutting that down. Hmm. I wonder how many sex workers Zuckerberg has hired. <laughs> that is a really good question. Because <laughs> that would take the hypocrisy to yet another level. Even just another level. But you know, what a jerk. Like I agree. he can rate how women look. He can he can develop a, a platform to demean women, but when women try to take it into our own hands and represent ourselves, he's going to say that he likes it or not, and he's going to mm-hmm. permit it or not. Yeah. Should we start our own app, Whitney? God, I know. I would love to start our own app. I am seeing new apps come out and, and gain momentum. Like Clubhouse is one that I see people are really excited about recently. Yeah. Um, what are and the other? Like, obviously, people are moving to Twitter more. Are people using Twitter more now? And, you know, Michelle Hope, our friend Michelle Hope is – um I think she's a brand ambassador for this really cool app called Community X, Mm. which is for people who are activists or people who are sex positive. Um, And you can like find your niche on Community X and um, connect with people that way. So I know people are using Community X and, and um, yeah, maybe this will, maybe this, could this possibly take the wind out of the sails of Instagram? I think it could. I Are think you it on could. TikTok? You know, I got on TikTok a while ago and then I just never really used it. I, I feel like <laughs> it, I feel like I need a 10 year old to tell me how to use all of the fancy but- buttons. <laughs> I don't know. But my friend Florence is like a TikTok addict. Like she will Fall. She t- she tells me sometimes she's like, well, I was up until three a.m. on TikTok last <laughs> night, <laughs> and um, she falls into these TikTok rabbit holes and she loves it. And um, I just don't even know how to go on TikTok. It's funny. I see how people can get addicted to it, and I was actually just saying this morning that maybe I need to start moving back into the TikTok world and just say, okay you can do this. You can learn how to use this app. Okay. Let's do that, Whitney. This is okay. our thing. Let's okay. learn how to use TikTok. <laughs> our first videos are going to be fire. Our first videos are going to be fire. I'm going to just have no idea what I'm doing. 
as usual uh, with technology. I'll just be clueless. And I don't know. I feel like you're going to show me the way. No speaking, pressure though. Oh God. Well, I better hire a 10 year old stat. If anyone yeah, knows a 10 year old that knows how to use, I mean, you know, it could be anywhere 10 to 15 years old. Who knows how to use TikTok? Send it my way, please. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask Lyle. <laughs> yes. Perfect. We don't have to look very far. We don't have to look that far. Maybe Lyle can help us. Um, and maybe he'll do it for free since he's my son. <laughs> yes, you should. You take care of him all the time. And you should be paying you at this point. Yeah. I was just imagining a world without any social media, which is kind of the world I grew up in. Yeah, that's true. How was that? What was that odd? <laughs> I know oh, you're like, Grandma, tell us. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the good old days. I mean, parents are always flipping out about something, right? Like when I was a kid, parents were flipping out about television. Yeah. And then when my kids were little, I was, we were flipping out about, I don't know, PlayStation and like all that stuff. And now people are flipping out about social media in terms of like, how much time people spend doing it. But I got to say, like when I was a kid, you know, we got yelled at for watching too much TV, but it, it was like a thing that everybody was doing, you know, there were like maybe four TV stations and everybody was watching the same thing. So it was like this campfire experience, right? Like there were only maybe four things to watch a night. If there was a big movie happening, um, you know, everybody was watching it and then everybody was talking about it. So it was still like this water cooler thing. Yeah. And, you know, things are more fragmented now, but, but when I look at it through the lens of social science, it's, it's still very similar. I mean, people are still talking about how, you know, we get addicted to it, which I don't know if that's really accurate. People are still talking about how it's unhealthy, get off your device, go outside, like they used to say, turn off the TV and go outside. Right. And, but people are still having these moments, right? Like, like everybody uh, was flipping out about the game stock story, right? On social mm-hmm. media, or there'll be a huge TikTok that like sweeps the nation and everybody loves it. So I don't know if it's that different. Is it? What do you think? No, it seems pretty, it seems pretty similar, particularly when you put it that way. I mean, I, I, I I don't feel addicted to it. <laughs> do your um, couples that you work with, like, do they have things about, like, do they say often like, oh my God, he's like addicted to social media all the time. He's not relating to me. Or do you hear stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's it's putting into place like, okay, at these certain times you can't use your phone. Like I saw this meme the other day, turn your phone off and turn your partner on instead. Oh, that's uh, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I love that too. I think even I think even people who just don't even realize that they're so engrossed in their phone, like sometimes you'll just be laying in bed scrolling through your phone. Not that you're necessarily doing anything, and not that you that you're addicted to it, but it's just kind of what you do to pass the time. And yeah, I even find myself as I'm dating this new guy, like I'll be sitting there looking at my Instagram doing nothing when I'm like, why am I doing that actually right now when I could. Let, let me just connect with you. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Kind of buried the lead there that you're seeing somebody new. We're going to get to that. <laughs> Cause I'm that kind of interviewer. 
<laughs> but wait, I want to get back to your Instagram, like your scrolling point. And then yeah. I want to hear about the guy. Okay, this the scrolling point. So um, my friend Amy Cuddy, who we have to have on here, she, you know, she wrote a book about power posing, but she studies all kinds of stuff. She's a social psychologist at Harvard. And she wrote a piece about how iPhones are changing our bodies, you know, because she's really yeah. into posture and um, how your posture, uh, you know, can really change your feelings about yourself in the world and how important it is. So she wrote a piece about that. And I was talking to her about it. And I was talking about like how I feel like I'm an eye crone, like my iPhone is turning me cronish, like I'm getting like hunched over. Yeah. Like I feel like it's aging my body to be on my iPhone a lot. And then as you know, a couple of days ago, I did something really crazy to my neck. <laughs> yes. Can we talk about that? Are you okay? Are you laying I'm down? O- I'm okay. But I was, I was flat out on my back. Right. Mm-hmm. And I managed to text you and say, holy shit, I can't move. Yeah. And then I, so then I managed to FaceTime Aaron, our friend Aaron Alexander, right? He's in Austin, by the way, this weekend. He just Aww. He does such good body work. He's the best. He, so I, I, I'm lying on my back on the floor and I FaceTime Aaron. <laughs> he answers <laughs> and he's like, why am I looking at the ceiling? This doesn't seem good. I was like, Aaron, I'm lying flat on my back. And to your point, Whitney, this is what he said. Put your phone down right now. Like, don't hold your phone while you're talking to me. The first thing to get you out of crisis mode with your neck is put down your phone. So I started thinking about that, just the impact that it's having on our bodies, right? And like Aaron got me up off the ground Thank you, Aaron. And one of the things that I have been really mindful of since that happened is what is my iPhone usage doing to my relationships and what is it doing to my body? And I think mm-hmm. people have to ask themselves that. What What is that thing in your hand? What's it doing to your hand? What's it doing to your elbow? What's it doing to your shoulder? What's it doing to your neck? What's it doing to your whole body? Is it impacting your libido? And um, yeah. Is it impacting your relationships? Yes. I think it's doing everything. I think it's impacting it all. Okay. Like, let's talk about your new boyfriend. About- <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, sorry. I didn't want to interrupt you, but I just want to make sure that we do talk about your new boyfriend if you're yeah, willing. Fine. Nobody really cares that I fixed my posture after you mentioned it. So they're like, yeah, great. Cool. You're sitting with your shoulders back. Awesome. But, Next but wait, are you sitting with your shoulders back? I am. Yes. How's it feel? Did you hinge? Uh, no, but I'll hinge right now. Okay. Everyone, I'm going to hinge with you right now. I'm going to hinge with you right now. Does anybody you like want to, you like to pat your pussy while you do it? <laughs> I do. It. I do. I, so when I hinge, let's have people hinge with us. Okay. If you're listening right now, you need to stand up. And you need to hinge with us. So what you're going to do is stand up straight and then sort of act like you're about to start sitting. But when you do it, touch, put your hand on over your genitals and sort of push them (laughs) back so that when you sit down, you're pushing back as you sit in a perfect hinge. Go for it. Here we go. Okay. I hinged. I feel so good. I also feel very powerful. 
oh my God, why didn't we hinge the first thing when we sat down? Thank you for reminding us, Whitney. We just need to erase this whole podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Forget it. The podcast is right here, right now. And hinging is so powerful. Who taught me that? Was it Aaron? Yeah, I think so. Do you know who I learned about it from? Who? An anthropologist who studied the way people worked worldwide and noticed that when they're people in the field, in places outside the industrial ice west, looked so different. They had this perfect posture while they were squatting down working in doing in the field. And this anthropologist realized that they were doing this thing called hinging before they bent down. Like in the West, we kind of crouch down. Yeah. But this anthropologist was like, oh, look, in all these other cultures, they have this perfectly erect posture when they're kneeling. And it's because they hinged to do it. And then she noticed that they hinged when they sat. And these and and in these places, people have perfect posture. And then Aaron talks about hinging too, right? Yes, he does. He has the best posture. He's always stretching and moving around. Every time I'm with him, I'm like, wow, I really, you ever sit still? <laughs> yeah, he really, I mean, he his body is his instrument for sure, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I think we talked. I think we beat around the bush enough. <laughs> yeah, let's come to the burning center of this podcast right <laughs> now. Who's the new partner, friend, boyfriend, something? What's the, what's the what's the label? And tell us about it. What's the tea? Spill the tea. Spill the tea. Um. Yeah. I mean, we don't really have a label on it yet, but we're spending a lot of time together to where like. Last night, I we've been sitting like every night together, and I love my alone time. But I'm really enjoying enjoying spending time with him. So I had to force myself to give myself alone time. Do you ever feel that way, or like have you ever talked to anybody who feels that way? Because I feel like you can get really wrapped up in a new relationship, right? That new relationship energy, and I'm yeah, just, that limerence, right? That limerence, exactly. You're in limerence right now. Well, okay, so this is the guy that I went on that date in the the our dating. Um, coach that was on with us. Oh, thank you, Demona, because Whitney's now seeing that guy. Yes. That was a while ago. That was a minute ago. That was in October. Yeah. What? (laughs) I know. So it's been that long. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So you guys met, like, retell the story. We met through a mutual friend. who just said, you know, come meet this guy. Well, uh, he saw me on his Instagram and asked who that, who I was. And my friend Roy said, that's Whitney. And so we ended up meeting and he's just so different from me. Like very, very different Grew up, very religious. Like he's, he's going to hate this. He, we call him vanilla because he's just, he's so sweet. And like, not as crazy as I am, which is really helpful. Um, and honestly, I think here's the truth of the matter is I think, you know, I was in my long-term relationship, which was very awesome, but all up and down and all over the place and polyamory and not a whole lot of stability. And it was just like a constant, I felt like I was in constant ceremony. Like there was just something going on all the time. And then I couldn't relax Mm. fully into it. Right. Um, And this relationship is one that I feel like I can relax and that I, I'm not constantly wondering and it, my nervous system feels, um, settled. 
Oh, that's so interesting that you say your nervous system feels settled. Yeah, it feels really nice. It feels really nice. And so, yeah, we are very different, um, come from very different backgrounds. You know, the, the things that we talk about on the podcast here is just kind of like outlandish to him. But I think he, he loves it at the same time because he just knows it's a part of who I am and he totally supports it. But I'll just talk. I was taking like a BDSM quiz online the other day and he's just <laughs> while we're at coffee somewhere and he's just sitting there shaking his head like are people looking at your computer right now do I'm people like, know what you're doing <laughs> i hope so they should take this quiz you're taking this quiz next you can't go anywhere did he take the quiz <laughs> no but he will he's going to today you see i don't know i think that's great he's calming your nervous system down and you're riling his up all right, exactly. So it's a little bit of balance, meeting in the mi- meeting in the middle. That's really. I'm so happy for you because you went through a really hard breakup. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean you worked it. Ugh, no kidding. And I saw so you good. working through. Yeah, I knew I would get to this point too. I mean, we've talked about it, but I knew I would get to this point of saying, "Oh, thank God." Like, thank God I was able to get out of that relationship. And thank, thank God it happened the way that it did. Um, because now I am in this place that I, I really do appreciate security and stability in a relationship. And I feel very certain within that. And now, I'm at, now I feel like I'm dating someone who, like I said, settles my nervous system. And that's really the utmost priority for me right now. Such a great point because I think people think that relationships are always supposed to be exciting, but you mm-hmm. you can't have excitement without security, right? Yeah, and there's still excitement for sure, but yeah. it it's it doesn't have to be so up and down. You know, it doesn't have to be the extremes, full extreme passion, amazing, yes, like yeah, have that for sure and touch into that. Um, but at some point that, you know, fizzles out and then you're, you're with the relationship and it's, do we really want to be, do we just enjoy being in each other's company? And you do because he helps you feel calmer. Yes. He helps me feel calmer. Yeah. Yeah. And there's not this drama all the time of like, are we going to be negotiating this? Is there going to be a new girlfriend? Is there going to be right. a new boyfriend? I mean, we don't often talk about the downside of open relationships, but there are downsides for some of us. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Just, you know, there's, there's hardships in everything. And when you do get into an open relationship, you just have to expect it to be a bit chaotic, truly. And I don't think I'm still a supporter of open relationships and unconventional relationships, but sometimes it's going to be really, really challenging. I mean, I love that you, are just finding yourself in a place where you're able to experience limerence and like a calming effect on your nervous system at the same time. I think that's, it's like, that's the Holy grail. It's the Holy grail. Yeah. It feels freaking fantastic. And you guys, he's six, six blonde hair, blue eyes. I'm so down. (laughs) (laughs) It's working for you on every level you're saying. Yes, it is. And I can watch myself look at a lot of the the patterns that I had arise in my last relationship and I see them start coming up, but I'm I'm aware of them now. And so 
I'm not perfect by any means, but I'm able to at least be aware of the patterns and break them. Like really having boundaries and saying what I want in a relationship and saying what I don't want and not succumbing solely to what he, how he thinks the relationship should be. It's using my voice and saying, I see that, but this is where I'm at. And we have to figure out where the negotiation is. Like where, where does it feel, where is it pushing both of us a little bit that's still exciting, but nurturing and and stable? Because I don't want to just succumb to anybody anymore. Ooh, I don't want to succumb to anybody anymore. (laughs) I like that. I just, uh, that could be, I want to put that on a (laughs) post-it. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like your relationship coaching yourself, but it seems like it's coming really naturally. Yeah, I am. There are definitely times that I'm coaching myself. I think it's it's definitely harder because I think people have this idea that therapists and coaches and, you know, we have it all under control and we know everything. And it's like, no, absolutely not. Um, and a lot of the times my mind can kind of fold over on itself because it's, oh, this is how I'm acting. And I see that this is my pattern and this is where it comes from. And these are the steps that I should take, but I have this emotion. And so it's like, you, you don't, you kind of talk yourself out of really experiencing it. So I'm trying my best not to do that. Um, and, and getting help from other coaches and therapists, that's a really big one for me because I'm going to be biased. I'm going to be blinded by my own emotions and my own thoughts and everything. Like I'm aware of that. And I need someone to slap me and be like, no bitch. (laughs) I'm just imagining you being like Whitney, listen to Whitney. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. An outside perspective is good. Right. But I'm so glad you're in a relationship that's, uh, that's working. That feels good. It feels really good. It feels really good. I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. I'm just, you know, taking it for what it is and really enjoying it. And, you know, why not? It's almost like, I feel like, I don't know if this is your experience, but it's almost like relationships are this ultimate test of like Buddhism. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, can you really be in the present moment and not fret about what you said or did yesterday? I mean, unless you need to apologize. (laughs) <laughs> and not freak out about later today or tomorrow or next week. What will this relationship be? Can you just be in the present with the person? Yeah, that's the, it's the that's the most beautiful part of the relationship. Like that's where the the juiciness I feel like really is. But as humans, I feel like we try to analyze everything to death because we don't want the unknown. I love that idea that the juiciest part of the relationship is just the present moment with the person you're with. Mm-hmm. Like how often are you there? And that's a big question, right? I mean, that's heavy for everybody because it's when was the last time that you were 100% present with your partner that you consciously decided we are going to be 100% present with each other right here, right now. That's big. That's a big commitment. Now we're back to our iPhones, but we're back to other shit too. Mm-hmm. I mean, so often in my in my twenty almost twenty one year marriage, I've been sitting there with my husband, but I've been ruminating about something. Oh, right. Like, did he violate one of our agreements? Um, did you know, or 
when my stepdaughters, <laughs> I love them so much, when they were teenagers, you know, and there were things about that, I would be in a potentially perfect present moment with my husband, but I would be, you know, annoyed that he did something a certain way with his daughters, right? Right. Or I'll be in a perfect present moment potentially with my husband, but I'm worried about my 19-year-old. He's in Uganda. Is everything okay? What's going to happen when he comes back? Um, yeah, I mean, Pema Chodron said that, right? She said, the saddest thing is the way we rob ourselves of the present moment. And I think I like your point that that's especially sad when we're in a relationship with somebody if we're not enjoying that present moment. Or like not even having the present moment. I would imagine that so many people are just coasting through their relationships, whether it's on they're sitting with their partner on their iPhone or you go to your favorite book because that's comfortable. You're watching TV, but you're not sitting there looking at your partner. Like how do we where's the juiciness? Like, where's that deep intimacy? And have we lost that? Wow. That's a, I mean, that's a great thing for everybody to just think about right now. Yeah. How often are you fully present with your partner? Something that else that comes up too, which I've, I don't know if I've read this a while ago, but you know, when you're in a new relationship, this is what I was thinking. When you're in a new relationship, you stay, you wake up in the mornings that you stay in bed longer and you're holding each other and maybe you have sex and maybe it's just, it's a different experience to when you've been with someone for a while and the alarm goes off and you just hop up out of bed and then that's it. And you start your day. And then most likely you're not, you don't have the present moment together throughout that anyway. But even something that maybe you could do is just wake up slowly together. Ooh, what a great, that's a great, um, fix. It's so easy. Yeah. It's so easy. And it's not like your alarm goes off every single morning. And if or it does, you could even, like if it's earlier. There you go. Yeah. I was just, yeah, exactly. Like you could, what a great fix. What to try that. Okay. You guys listening, try that. If you're in a relationship with somebody, try setting your alarm five minutes earlier, if you have to set your alarm every morning so mm -hmm. that you can have that deliberate, intentional time waking up a little more slowly with your partner. Yeah. I love that idea. And then tell us what happens, right? Yeah. Tell us what, we want the juiciness. You know how we started talking about the juiciness of the present moment? Well, we want to hear all about it. <laughs> yeah, we want to hear. We want to hear about juicy present moments that people are having. Let us know. Juicy did it get. You know, I feel like I'm more in the present moment with my husband when he's in New York and I'm here. Really? <laughs> yeah, because we don't, I mean, like when we're together in the house, a house or an apartment, sorry, I have to adjust my headset because it's hurting my head. All right, guys, sorry for all the noise. But like when we're physically together in a space, um, ooh, we can resort to, did you order this from Instacart? We need to talk about what are we going to have for dinner later? Um, can you do X, Y, or Z chore, blah, 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 blah. And so there's all this, like, uh, all of this, what, what shrinks call ADLs, activities of daily life. Mm -hmm. There's all that going on and we're sort of distracted from actually being together. 
right? And there's a lot going on. So like there are a lot of potential tasks, right? All the time. So being physically apart, it's like when we're on FaceTime together, we're really talking, you know? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. nice. Because, I mean, sure, sometimes we're like, so should we buy a house in Los Angeles? And we're like <laughs> careening into the future. But less often when I'm physically apart from him, less often am I like dredging up the past in my in my mind and like, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Because, because you guys aren't like physically right next to each other. And so yeah. maybe... Maybe you're not right next to each other all day, every day. It's just when you have that FaceTime. So you're not thinking about all that. Yeah. I mean, I got to say, just building off what you're talking about, about these juicy moments, Whitney, which is so great and just like kind of eye-opening for me. So thank you. Building off that, I would just recommend to people that like another way to get that back is some separation and some space sometimes. Yeah. I feel that. I totally feel that. (laughs) I've always said that. I don't know if I'm ever going to live with someone again. You're loving it, right? Loving having my own space. That being said, I just said that I'm spending every night with this guy, but, (laughs) but at the same time, I still have my own space. I still can come here to my condo and no one's going to be here. No one. He can't just walk in here. It's totally my own sanctuary. Yeah, that's what my house in LA is. Yes. How good does that feel? It feels so good. I mean, Whitney, I have to tell you, I thought that I was going to fall apart without my husband and my son here. I was Mm. like, I'm just going to be doing so badly. I mean, I really miss them. I miss my kids so much. And I I miss my husband and I miss their people in New York that I really miss. But I am like in my glory here. (laughs) Like have a fire in the fireplace. If it's like a cold day, if it's a warm day, I'm sitting out in my backyard and wow, I work. I mean, I'm a writer, right? And a researcher. Boy, do I work well when there is nobody around. Yeah, no distractions, right? But you know, to that point you made, Wit, about, you know, knowing that nobody else is going to walk into your space unless they're invited. Mm -hmm. That's deep. Yeah, it allows you to fully take all of your masks and and who you think you should be off. You don't have to have any of that on. It's like freedom. Right. You're not trying to create privacy for yourself. It, you just, you have it as a baseline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. That has been so good. I mean, I have to say. So I'm going to try to be out here perhaps, potentially. I mean, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing. I don't really have a plan. But one possibility is that I just stay here for the whole upcoming month by myself. Um, We'll do that. I'll be in LA next month. I'll be in LA. Oh, you're going to be here? Okay. So while I'm motivated to stay through your stay. Perfect. Yeah, I have some projects to babysit out here and everything seems to go better when I'm physically here. So, you know, I was I was just playing with the idea of staying for a whole month by myself. That's and my my shrink Suzanne was like, "Wow, you could if you end up doing that, you have to treat it as like a retreat." 
Ooh, great. <laughs> right. She's, she's like, you do your work, you, you, you know, you do your work, work, you can do your yoga, your Alan on your AA. Cause you know, I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then you can make plans to see your girlfriends and, you know, whatever. But she's like, just treat, just act like the whole thing is a retreat. And she was like, you know, like you've been on a retreat before by yourself. And I was just utterly silent. And she's like, Wednesday, <laughs> are you telling me that since you've been married, you have never been off on your own for a period of time? And is that like, true? I don't think I have. Wow. Wow. I, I mean, sometimes I travel to give a talk, right? Right. But that's not a retreat. Oh, that's business. That's business. But now I'm in retreat mode. So what 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 are you doing in retreat mode? What are some of the things that you're you've been implementing? I've been cooking. Oh. I've been going for long walks and sometimes like into the early evening. And I can see the sunset. I walk really high up into the hills to like the top and the sunsets are magnificent. Mm. Um, I like, I've been doing more AA and Al-Anon meetings. Um, Cause what is I, Al-Anon? So Al-Anon is for people who, if you have somebody in your life, who's an alcoholic, you don't have to okay. be an alcoholic. Like if you're going to go to AA, that's for people who identify as alcoholics. Al-Anon is, do you have an alcoholic in your life? Did you have an alcoholic parent or grandparent? Uh, is your spouse an alcoholic? Is your child an alcoholic? So an Al-Anon uh, has the same 12 steps almost exactly as AA. It's a 12-step program. Um, but yeah, so that's that's the little shift there is that it's, you know, if you have an alcoholic in your life. So I am a recovering alcoholic and I do have alcoholics in my life. So um, Al-Anon's really working for me. Oh, and back to this privacy thing. Like I, I couldn't be in an Al-Anon or an AA Zoom meeting without being in the car and hiding. You know what I mean? Uh For privacy. privacy. Oh man, now I can just spread out. (laughs) (laughs) Click on that Zoom meeting. (laughs) Kick your feet up. Talk my ass, talk aloud, like Mm. and not worry that it, I mean, my last Al-Anon meeting in Sag Harbor, because, you know, we've been in Sag Harbor for most of the pandemic. Right. I was in the laundry room in the basement. It's a small laundry room with the door closed so that I could share in a meeting. Wow. Yeah. I, yeah, I didn't even think about that. And that's yeah, the so thing for people who are in these meetings, too, I didn't think about. They have to do the same thing. Yeah. A lot of people are talking in our Al-Anon and AA meetings, you know, you never report what's going on, which I, which I wouldn't do, but in general, you know, you can say that people are, there's a lot of discussion about trying to engineer privacy, you know, when you're under the same roof with your family or your people. So, yeah, so I'm finding Al-Anon and AA like much easier to do out here. I love the walks. I've been cooking, you know, I don't usually take the time to cook. Right. And then I've been working like in these funny ways that I always have where I can just like work for hours at a time unbothered, which is really good. Yeah. Great for productivity and creativity, I'm sure. It is. And then I can turn it off, right? It's not getting turned off because 
um, my kid needs something or Joel and I need to like do a chore, run an errand together or whatever. It's like my work is ending because I'm ending it, but I'm loving it. Oh, and I'm exercising a lot more than I would with my family mm-hmm. in under the same roof. So yeah, all in all, a good experience. Although, you know, like I said, I really, I really do miss people in New York, you know, most especially my husband and my kids, but, but friends in New York too, I really miss. But- I'm sure they miss you too. And along the same line, I don't think you've talked about this on the podcast though, but you're doing um, Wineless Wednesdays on your Instagram, right? I am doing those. Yeah. And for anybody who's sober or sober curious, yeah, I just do that. You should be my guest on it again. I'd love to. Tell yeah, people when it is and everything. Yeah. It's every Wednesday at 5.30 Eastern time on my Instagram live. And I'm constantly being like, oh my God, wait, it's 2.30. That means it's 5.30. I have to do Wineless Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, I often have a guest. And so every Wednesday, 5.30 on my Instagram live, I hop on and we have, we, I talk about, you know, being sober a little bit and often there's a guest and if the guest is sober, they'll talk about that, but we just talk about their expertise, right? So sometimes I'll have somebody on who's a sex therapist, or sometimes I'll have somebody on who does Shibari, or sometimes I'll have somebody on who, um, like shows us how to make a mocktail or how to put on your makeup for a zoom call. And, um, it's just being sober together. And some people aren't sure they want to be sober. And so, um, sometimes I'll do a topic on wineless Wednesday, like, um, am I an alcoholic? How do I know if I need to stop drinking? And sometimes I'll talk about some of the slogans from AA and Al-Anon on wineless Wednesday. Like we'll go over a slogan sometimes like, um, because there are a lot of really helpful slogans in Al-Anon and AA. Um, my favorite one right now is pause. Mm-hmm. Tell me. Postpone action until serenity enters. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, like Wednesday, do not shoot off that angry text. Pause. <laughs> Postpone action until serenity enters. Enters. Yeah. It just means don't shoot off your mouth Wednesday. We all need that. I need to write that on my on my refrigerator. Oh my God. Al-Anon has so many great slogans. Okay. You're going to be my guest on Wineless Wednesday, one of these Wednesdays soon. 100%. And you'll, I'll send you a bunch of slogans and you pick the ones that you want us to talk about. And we'll, okay. do, this, we'll do some slogans. That'll be great. That'll be great. Yeah. And um, so, okay, we have to wrap up. But I want to make sure we talk about somebody who passed. Somebody who passed. Yeah, Cicely Tyson. Oh, right. I was like, where did they? Where, where'd they go? <laughs> they passed. I know. Sometimes uh, I feel like I'm not supposed to say like a person died. Like I feel like, but but yeah, Cicely Tyson died. She she passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get you're younger than I am, but she was such a big part of my childhood. Do you want to tell people a little bit about her? Because like people your age might not even know who she is. Yeah. You know, I only recognized her because I looked, you were talking about this and I looked her up and saw that she was in the help and the sounder, um, the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman, how Ooh. to get away with murder. That's a big one. Um, 
And she was 96 when she passed. And so if you guys go look at her, you will know who she is just by, by her face. But an amazing woman. Amazing Amazing, right? Like not only did she do all those movies and shows that you mentioned, but, and God bless, she lived to 96, God bless. Um, But she was a big civil rights activist, mm-hmm. uh, Cicely Tyson. The first she, black woman to win a lead actress Emmy. Oh, wow. Was she? Yeah, that's what it says. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. And And she was really adamant, apparently, that she would not take any roles that were demeaning to black people or that reinforced stereotypes. Like she was a big advocate of forcing, forcing Hollywood's hand, forcing the hand of screenwriters, rightfully so, so that their portraits of black people were like resonant with who black people are instead of just like, the black character's always a criminal and the black woman's yeah. a welfare queen. And right. She like, she really helped with her insistence that these roles had to show the depth and humanity of black experience rather than just reflect bias. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was presenting positive images, like which just should be, <laughs> which is, is sad that we even have to, that that's a thing. But I love that she was, that she was presenting that. To Hollywood, and, I love that she did that, and probably taking it to the to the cost of some work in film because she's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going. That's not how the world works. So good on her. It's funny that you say that because I was reading about her, and to your point, Whitney, she often went long periods of time without work because she okay. said these roles are degrading, and I'm not doing it. Do better. Do better. So like, imagine all the times, I mean, imagine being a working actor and just saying no to money because I mean, that, that could not have been easy. Mm -mm, Absolutely not. Doing it, you know, to take a stand and to try to improve opportunities for other black actors. I just admire her so much. And, um, Roots was a huge thing when I was a kid and, and she was in Roots and I just remember, um, what an impact she had, you know, how powerful she was in the role that she played on route. So I don't know people, I just, uh, I hope everybody who doesn't know about her, like you said, would, I hope they'll look into who she was and just honor her. Um, you know, take some time to honor her, to learn who she was. Cause boy, she was a great, we lost a great one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 96. She really, she made it. There's no way I'm going to live that old. <laughs> It's just, just keep doing what you do, Whitney. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And I, you know, I wonder if her longevity had to do with, of course, like so many things go into longevity, but a lot of research shows that many people who live a long time, what a lot of them have in common is they have like a sense of purpose. There you go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that sense of purpose, you know, that, um, advocacy that she was always doing for racial justice, um, I wish we could talk to her. You know, and when people always ask you, who would you go to dinner with? Or if that has already passed, she would be one of them. I wish she would come on. I wish we could have her on the podcast. Oh God. I so wish. I mean, if I could, she would be my dream dinner party guest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, 
look into her and you guys who are listening who don't know about her. And for those of you who do know about her, um, wow, just take that moment and be inspired, right? Amen. That's right. Well, I have to go off to my solitary day now. Okay. You do that. You do that. I'm glad I got to connect with you. I know. I'm glad that we, uh, we're just, you know, chit-chatting today, seeing what's going on. Yeah, it works. It works. All right. Um, all right. So I'll see you soon on Wineless Wednesday. Yeah. Wineless Wednesday, you guys. Join her uh, Wednesday. Yeah. And, and you'll be my guest. We'll work it out. Perfect. Love you. All right. Love you. Take care, everybody. Bye, Wit. Bye. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, it would help us a lot if you would leave a review. Yeah. Leave a review, subscribe. We want to know how you guys felt about the episode. It really helps us out a lot to continue the success of the podcast and keep spreading our message.